in the book of James. Uh, and as I go to this passage, I'm actually kind of reminded about something in the back. Uh, Christmas is coming. Uh, it's only, you know, we got the snow outside. It's only, what, a month and a half away. Uh, so coming very quickly. One of the things that we're going to be doing as a church, you know, as we think about our vision for 2017 to be a doctrine church, a family church, and a neighborhood church, we are going back out into the community uh, in a couple weeks. But one of the things that we need help with immediately is uh, be thinking about last year, you know, we went out with bags of candy. We're going to do that again, but try to do it a little bit better this year. Uh, you know, always trying to take it one step up, right? Um, uh, but one of the things we want to do with that is to give a gift for people who come in uh, and visit with us this Christmas season. Uh, if you look on the back uh, next to the bulletin board on the table there, we have that box out that we had for VBS, and we're asking for people to put in some money for VBS. Well, we're asking people to donate. Uh, we need about 220 bucks. Uh, for us to get some some nice mugs uh, with our logo on it for people who would come in we're going to try to make a uh, kind of a really slick hot chocolate kit uh, for people who come in uh, and visit with us this Christmas season uh, and one of the good things about having a, a mug with our logo on it is that it just keeps on giving right like everywhere they go it has our name on it right so that everyone gets to know about Fairmont Baptist Church. Uh, so uh, we're really wanting to do that, but we need some money for, for that. So if you're thinking about that and say, oh, I'd, I'd love to, to help out a little bit with that, uh, the box is in the back. It'll be there for the next couple weeks. Uh, if you can, just put a couple bucks in there so we can get that going uh, so that when we go out there into the community and we hand out uh, candy, which is another thing that we need to start getting going, uh, we're going to do the same thing, pre-wrapped uh, candies. Uh, and uh, whatever you got lying around, maybe you have some left over from Halloween, that's okay. Uh, you know, as, as long as it's not like orange and black, let's try to keep the Christmas theme. Uh, but uh, take that, uh, you know, save yourself a couple carbs and uh, donate that to the church. Uh, and uh, if you're going out to the store and you see a couple things, maybe bring in some bags. Uh, I would like us to be able to hit, again, 500 homes in our community here. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have some business card invite things in there uh, that on one side we'll we'll talk about the services that we have and on the other side are talking about the the free gift that we have for them if they come and visit with us uh, this Christmas season. So you're just just again trying to be out there in the community, uh, reaching our neighborhood, trying to let them know that Fairmont Baptist Church is a place where the gospel is preached and where we love people. Uh, so uh, be thinking about that. If, if you walk by the box today and you got some spare change, maybe put it in there. And hopefully we can raise up that 220 bucks from that and, and be able to have that for Christmas. So just uh, something uh, to, to note there. We are in James. James chapter 1. I'm great with segues. James chapter 1. Uh, we were going to be looking at verses 9 through 12 this morning. Verses 9 through 12. Let us... Read, and then we will pray, and then we will study it together. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, we come before you one more time to ask uh, for your help. Uh, Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to be moving in our hearts that we would understand what James has for us this morning. Uh, Lord, we thank you. We give you praise and honor that you have preserved your word over thousands of years so that we here in Saskatoon in 2017 can look at your word and and know it to be true, uh, but also can understand it in our own language. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would just bless this time, that you would be using your Holy Spirit to convict us where we need to be convicted, uh, to build us up where we need to be built up, to encourage us. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would do a work through your word this morning. I pray that I would be able to step out of your way. uh, And as Spurgeon said, that we would let the lion of your word go out and do the work. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are back in this book. And we have to remember something as we come to our text today. Uh, A lot of people look at James and and they kind of take it almost like uh, the book of Proverbs. Which doesn't really, there, there are some parts that have a little bit of a flow to it. But the book of Proverbs generally is kind of, here's some wisdom on this uh, subject. And two verses later, here's some wisdom on a completely different subject. And, and it just kind of goes from that. Kind of like a, a, a patched work of, of wisdom Proverbs, right? Uh, some people look at that and kind of apply that to James. Uh, but James isn't that way. Uh, he has a flow. He, he, has, he has a point to what he is writing. Uh, not to say that Solomon didn't, but he was kind of just kind of going all over the place all at the same time, putting it all together. James has more of a distinct flow about where he's trying to get us to. Uh, so this passage, a lot of people take this and, and they kind of just take it out of the context and, and talk about, oh, okay, well, he's just talking about the, the frailty of life. Uh, and that, that's true, he is talking about that, but we have to understand everything in its context. Uh, what is James really talking about? What have we been talking about for the last couple weeks? Uh, maybe not last week, I was glad to have Irv uh, come and preach, and I heard a, a great message on the Lord's Prayer, I listened to that after. Uh, but uh, the couple weeks before then, what were we talking about really? Trials. Persecution. Right? We, we remember that James is writing this to dispersed Christians who are running for their lives. Uh, and and I, I mean that literally. They are being hunted down. Uh, they are leaving behind their homes. They are leaving behind their jobs. They are leaving behind even some of their family. And they are fleeing uh, all because they believe in Christ and are being persecuted. All right, so that is the context that he's been talking about. And he's really been focusing in on that, right? Verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And he goes through, and we talked about all these trials and how we can ask for wisdom in those trials. Well, this verse, or this passage here, verses 9 through uh, 12, is that uh, within that context. We're still talking about persecution. We're still talking about trials. All right, and that, that's important when we get into this text. And really, as we look at this, uh, the main thing that's going to pop out is priorities. Uh, priorities. We need to understand our priorities. We need to have our priorities uh, realigned, maybe. Uh, priorities are important. They kind of give us direction. Right? If you don't know what you're living for, right? if, if you don't know, like let's say even with your job, uh, you, you go to work, uh, maybe Monday's a holiday for you, so you go to work on Tuesday, and, and you have an agenda, right? You have priorities for your day of I need to get this done, this done, this done, and this done. Imagine if you didn't have those priorities. What would you be doing throughout the day? 
well, kind of maybe working over here, kind of working over there, but you wouldn't be able to get much accomplished, right? We need to have priorities. Uh, the same thing in the Christian life. We need to understand our priorities. Maybe that means taking a look in the mirror and asking myself, you know, do I have the right priorities? Here we see that some people did not. All right, let's look at verse 9. He says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. All right, so he's going to kind of use some poetic words to kind of get his point across here. Uh, he's going to talk about the grass and the withering and all of that. But he's using the lowly brother. So the first thing we need to understand, that this is not some kind of generic uh, story that he's telling. He's talking about a Christian. All right, let the lowly brother, all right, not man, all right, and this is kind of going to inform the rest of this passage as well because uh, that, that word man is actually inserted in the Greek. It's not there because it's all reflective of the brother. All right, so we're talking about Christians here. And he's saying, let the lowly brother boast uh, in, in his exaltation. So the lowly brother, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a lowly brother? Is this, is this some kind of Eeyore kind of figure that's just always down and depressed? Right, we can kind of maybe look at that in the English and say, oh, that's what lowly means. But here it means poor. Maybe, maybe in your, uh, I think King James Version says poor. Uh, some other good translations use that. It, it's really talking about just being uh, destitute. Your need. Uh, you're, you are low. You, you, you don't have a lot to your name. Uh, materials. Uh, you, you, don't, you, you aren't rich. You are low. You are poor. Uh, so let the poor brother... Boast. What does it mean to boast? It means to talk big. Uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you did that in high school. I remember playing basketball. Uh, one of the guys on my team, his name was Chase, uh, and he was he was a star player. Man, this guy was so good. But uh, we didn't like playing with him because all he did was boast. Right? He talked big. Uh, he's this little guy, and so I was uh, I wasn't as big as I am now, but uh, I was a taller guy at the time. Uh, for for that age group, and so I just back him in at the uh, in the key there and play like the center position on him, and so he got him to be quiet. All right, but the idea of talking big is to say, look at me, right? It, it, it's to say there is something I am prideful in. Talk big. So the lowly brother is supposed to talk big. What does he have to talk big about? I mean, think about that for a second. This, the, the whole idea of this guy is that he's destitute. Right? So what, what does he have to say, ooh, look at me? Or look at this? Or I'm prideful. I'm talking big about this. Not much, right? He doesn't really have anything. Except for this one word here. Let him boast in what? In his exaltation. Now this is an interesting word. Because uh, we look at that and we just oh, lifting up. But in every occasion of this word, it's talking about heaven. Every occasion of this word in the Greek New Testament is talking about heaven. Whether it's Jesus Christ ascending into heaven, it's the same word. right? Or, or we're talking about the Holy Spirit uh, at, at the baptism of Jesus Christ descending like a dove. Same word. That's it. That's all that we have in the Greek New Testament for what this word means. What is it talking about then? It's talking about heaven. And his exaltation, because this lowly brother doesn't have anything to boast about here, right? 
He doesn't have anything. But what he does have is Christ. And he has what we talked about a couple weeks ago in Romans 5, verse 2. Right? The hope of glory. That's what we have to look forward to. That's what this lowly brother has to look forward to. So here in the midst of uh, suffering, under trials, under running for his life, this lowly brother who has nothing to his name is said, yes, talk big, but talk about what? Christ. Your hope of glory, of being exalted, of being in heaven, of being with Christ. Now this kind of helps us inform what we go through. Because we, we focus on here. Right? Joel Steen put it best, right? Uh, uh, your best life now. Best life. Alright, your best life now. We focus on here and now. I want blessings, right? We talk about blessing a lot. Uh, we love to be blessed. And when we talk about being blessed, we're talking about right here, right now. Maybe, maybe it's financial uh, maybe it's just with our family of, of just happiness, a sense of happiness in our family. All right, we, we focus on here now because that's what we see. That's what we experience right now. But what we're going to learn from this, and on the back of your bulletin, we'll see that a Christian's priorities are not to be based on what you can see. Because for this lowly brother, he has nothing. When he's looking around and saying, what could I boast in? What could I talk big about? What could I take pride in? Nothing is there. So he looks. He looks to the hope of glory, of his exaltation someday to be with Christ. And that's what he could talk big about. That's what he could take pride and joy in. Not in the here and now. Because really, Christianity isn't about here. I mean, yes, we are sojourners in this world and we are to uh, reach out with the gospel. It's one of the purposes of the church. We have the Great Commission, right? But a lot of Christians make the big mistake about thinking that Christianity is just about here and now. Right? We get into all kinds of problems. We focus in on riches and blessings. We say, oh, well, if, if I'm pleasing Christ, then I, I should live a happy and, and successful life. Uh, that's, a, that's a problem. These, these believers don't have that. Are we focusing on politics? Right? That we could, we, could make, uh, we could make the world a better place. And in some ways, you know, that's true. We are to be good citizens of our country and to speak into the political process. But some people raise those things up and say, this is my priority. This is what I'm living for. I'm going to live so that I get the big house. I'm going to live so I have four cars. I'm going to live so I can go, uh, you know, fishing, I don't know, 12 weeks out of the summer, <laughs> right? Uh, we, we, we sometimes get trapped into that, right? A, a bigger and better. Or we think, all right, my priority is to, uh, to focus in on the government. You aren't going to save Canada. Sorry, it's not going to happen. You aren't going to save the political process here. We know sin is there. I'm not saying you give up, but I'm saying we need to have priorities. And they need to be realigned. What is your priority? Well, for this lowly brother, it's not in the here and now. It's not in what he can see. All right, now we have a little bit of a difference that's happening. All right, when we look at this text, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. Verse 10, in the rich... 
and his humiliation. All right, so we have a wealthy Christian. So one, one Christian has nothing. And again, we're talking about Christians. All right, so the, the rich Christian, he's got a lot. He's wealthy. Now, we might be saying, well, I fit into more of the lowly brother than I do with the rich brother. Uh, but here, here's something for you. Uh, if, if you think that you're poor, uh, you're out of your mind. All right, we live in Canada. Uh, we, we all have homes. I believe that we all have homes. We all have food in our cupboards. That was not something that these believers had the luxury of. All right, so if we try to put ourselves and say, oh, I'm just the lowly brother, I don't have to worry about the rich brother part. Well, maybe we need to kind of balance both. Because in their mind, we would be very rich. So this wealthy Christian, what is he to boast big in? Right? To talk big, to, to be prideful and take joy in. Well, the lowly brother looked to his exaltation. Be with Christ. What does the rich brother get to boast in? His humiliation. You might, you might look at that text and go, wait, what? That doesn't seem like something I would, I would boast in. Right? I, I, I like the good things. Humiliation doesn't sound good, Pastor Dean. I don't want to boast in that. Well, we, we get a little lost with our wording today. Uh, there's this word in the English. We kind of look at humiliation and we put on different words to it like embarrassment. Right? We, we kind of put in there like shame, like that you've been humiliated. You think back to a point, if I were to ask you when was a point in your life where you've been humiliated, it probably wouldn't be a good story, right? Uh, we kind of latch on to those things, but that, that's not what the word means. The word actually means to be brought low. It doesn't have shame or, or, or some kind of meanness attached to it. Uh, but it just means to be brought low. Uh, Philippians 2 is all about the humiliation of Christ. Uh, not, not in that he was embarrassed, not in that he was shamed, uh, but that he went from you know, heaven and became low. It says even to the point uh, that he was born in the likeness of men, right? Uh, being found as a slave. That's what the word says. Right? So there's, there's a lowering there. That's, that's what it means. So the rich Christian is to boast as he's brought low. Now, uh, it could be very easy for a rich Christian to boast uh, in his wealth, right? Uh, if you don't have your priorities straight, you could say, well, I'm, I'm a rich Christian. I, I you know, give to all these other ministries and the Lord has blessed me. Look at my money. Right? It could be a very easy thing. It's a very tempting thing. Even, even if you're not rich necessarily, but you have things, right? Who doesn't like looking at their nice car? Who doesn't like, uh, even uh, if you have like a collection of something, a hobby that you have, and say, look what I have there, right? It can be very easy to boast in those things. But here he's talking about the humiliation, the being brought low, because in this world, riches comes with power, right? It comes with power, it comes with authority, it comes with respect. Right? If someone is rich, that's usually some of the words that you attach to, to that person. Right? Or if he walks in the room, then people are going to pay attention to him. But the idea is that really what this person is is a Christian. So when he is exalted, like, like with the lowly brother, heaven, 
what is going to be the difference between this lowly brother and the rich brother? Nothing. It's not like uh, Jesus is going to be sitting there and the lowly brother comes in. He's not going to pay attention. But when the rich brother comes in, he gets up. Oh, it's good to see you. No. They're both slaves of Christ. They're equal in Christ. So a Christian's priorities are not to be based on what we see. Why? Well, we have the answer. He says in uh, verse 10, And the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. All right, so the reason why we don't base our, uh, our, uh, our priorities and what we see is because they don't last. Like a flower in the grass. It's a beautiful metaphor. But notice the wording. It doesn't say it, like referring to the riches. Right? Because like, that, that's where our mind goes, right? We're thinking about it. We're probably going, oh, well, he's talking about the riches. The riches will perish. Yeah, you can't bring stuff with you to heaven. But what does he say? It doesn't say it will perish. He will pass away. What is the he? It's, it's that rich Christian. Who, who if, if he puts his priorities in just what passes away, he needs to understand that he too will pass away. You don't get all the time in the world, right? We use that all the time to talk about it and say, we got all the time in the world to do this, this, and that. You don't. Right? We got a shocking view of that last week. Right? When we hear about that, that tragic story of 26 people being killed in a Baptist church. When they got there that morning, they thought that they were going to be worshiping. They probably had plans for going out to eat after. They probably had plans for the rest of the week. They thought they had all the time in the world, maybe. Life is like that, right? So what are our priorities? Is it in something that fades away? Because we'll fade away too. Beauty perishes. So also, the rich Christian will fade away. James is trying to help us to see our temporality. We only have a certain amount of time. And he says uh, that this rich Christian will fade away in the midst of his pursuits. I think it's interesting the wording there. Like if he focuses just on the, the materialism, which let's be honest, we, we live in a culture where that's something we all struggle with. I know I do. Uh, uh, focusing on, on attaining things. I, I have a one-track mind. I really do. And, and right now I'm really thinking about how to change up my office and get more bookshelves and get more books and things like that. That's, that's where my, my mind is just rushing. I, I think about it a lot. You'd be surprised how much I think about it bookshelves all right but I, I focus on material things we all have that problem but the problem is if we focus on that we make that a priority that's going to fade away we will fade away while we're trying to attain that the idea is that we will never be satisfied in those materials we'll always be trying to get more right the rich man he will continue to try to get more and this isn't just a problem that the world has. We always want to jump out and say, the world has that problem. 
He's talking about in-house Christians. If we let those things that should not be priorities, let them take the forefront and say, this is my priority, we will fade away in the midst of pursuing those priorities. And also, by the way, what, what, what is the word that we use when we put something in, in front that it should not be a priority in the relationship with God? It's called idolatry. You might not think, oh, it's just, it's just a bad thing. It's probably just not the best. I, I guess I could be uh, you know, focusing more on God, but you know, I just struggle with materials. It's not a big deal. No, that, that's called idolatry, and that's just as bad just as sinful as the Israelites making that golden calf. It's just as sinful. So a Christian must put uh, priorities or must be focused on what endures. That's on the back of your bulletin as well. Don't focus on the here and now. Don't focus on attaining material things. Boast in Christ. Focus on Christ. Christians' priorities must be uh, a focus on what endures, not on what fades away. All right, so verse 12. Here we have something that everyone likes to talk about, being blessed. Verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. All right, so, so in comparison, when we look at, we talk about blessings, we're thinking of riches and things like that, of good things in someone's life. And we see here, well, if we focus just on those, that's idolatry. That's, uh, that's where we get into problems with our priorities. And he says, in contrast to that, here's what real blessedness looks like. Here's what it really means to be blessed. He says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast. Again, talking about Christians. So a Christian who remains steadfast. The idea here is to persevere. All right, so a Christian who, all the trials that we talked about last couple weeks... Uh, the bad things that are going on in your life. Maybe you're here this week and it's just been a terrible week. Uh, that it's just all kinds of hardships have been coming at you. Physical things, emotional things, spiritual things coming at you. Blessed are you, a Christian, who remains steadfast, who perseveres through this. All right, so under trials. For when he has stood the test, he will receive something. This is a gift. This isn't... Uh, a lot of people get this wrong. It's, it's you receive it. It's not that like you attain it. It's not like, uh, oh, I'm, you know, I put in the check mark here, did that, did that, and now I get this. Uh, it's not like a, like a Coke machine. You put in the change, and you press the number, and you get this, this gift. This is, uh, this is a gift. It is grace. Unmerited favor. You don't deserve this. But uh, God is going to give you something. What is it? The crown of of life. There's a lot of people who jump to all kinds of conclusions from this, but it's an emblem. It's an emblem of spiritual success for those who keep the faith during trials. Uh, so, so people uh, like to talk about whether that, like some people jump and say, oh, it's eternal life, but we're talking about Christians, so they already have it. All right, so what, what is this? Well, I, I do think it's an actual crown. Right, Revelation chapter 4 talks about how all the Christians are going to take their crowns and throw them before Christ in worship. So I think it's one of those crowns. But what does it really talk about? Well, uh, here it talks about success. Success, that you had the right priorities, you kept the faith under trial, and this crown is worth pursuing. 
It's, it's valuable. Uh, that's the whole idea of this crown. It is, it, there's value to it. Value that lasts. Not something that fades away. Not something that, that will change. It will last. And this is one of the crowns, like I said, Revelation chapter 4, that we'll get to throw before Christ. So how do we get this crown? Because I, I think if we're honest, if you're a Christian here this morning, you repented of your sin, trust in Jesus Christ, they, you want to worship Christ. And when we get to heaven, we want to have everything at our disposable, uh, disposal to worship Christ. So how do we get this crown? It's interesting. It says that God has promised to those who what? Love Him. It's simple. It's beautifully simple. Uh, don't, don't base your priorities on what you see. Base your priorities on something that will last. And your chief, your defining priority as a Christian is to love God. That's it. It's not some huge secret. You don't have to go and buy someone's book for $49.99 and go through this 12-step plan to, oh, now I get the crown of life. Love Christ. Love Christ and you will get this. Love Christ and you will be with Him. That's what you're here for. You're not here to attain uh, a vacation home. You're not here to make sure that you could retire at the age of 63. No, you are here to love Christ. So a Christian's chief and defining priority is to love God. So this, this kind of sets us up for all of the other things in our life. Right? Of all the other things that we struggle with. Are you rich? Love Christ. Are you poor? Love Christ. Are you sick? Love, uh, love Christ. Are you depressed? Love Christ. Are you bitter? Love Christ. If you're confused about direction, love Christ. In the midst of every aspect of your life, love Christ. Why? We're talking to Christians. He has redeemed you. In a few minutes, we're going to be talking about that. He has done everything for you. Love Him. Love Him. He, he, he spilt His blood. His body was broken for you to be redeemed from your sin. To take you from the kingdom of darkness, as Peter talks about. The kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. Love Christ. Savor Christ. Let him be your defining priority. And whatever is in the way of that. If you're having trouble, say, uh, now we don't want to get legalistic about it. All right, but if you're having trouble with your, your conversing with God, your prayer time, ask yourself, what is in the way of this? And is this a priority that, that I need to have in my life that is godly? Or is this an idol? And wreck that thing. Be like David. Take a sledgehammer to that idol and put Christ on the throne. Let him be the priority, the defining priority in your life, how do you know what is a priority? Again, this is, we have to walk a fine line. We can get into legalism. But a good way to see what a priority is, is your time. 
right? If, if you were just to line out the time in your day, now there are some things that you can't get around, right? Like with work, you have to provide for yourself, all those kinds of things. But you think about your free time, and, and you say, all right, well, what do I do during that free time? You line it out. I think you'd be very uh, surprised to see what you put as a priority in your life. I know I would be. That, that's just one way to see what's really going on in your heart. So what is our priority? It is to love Christ. And if you love someone, you must obey them. You must cherish them. You must respect them. And you must live in light of that love. So what is your priority this morning? Why did, why did, why did you come through our doors? I say this to my church. Why are you here today? Is it because you have friends? It's a good thing. It's a good thing to have friends. But our chief, our, our chief priority should be to love Christ. Why are you here this morning? Because you love Christ. Why are we going to take communion and remember that special time when Christ spilt out His blood and gave up His body for us? Because we love Christ. Why is it that when we get confronted with sin in our life, that we say no to sin and we pursue righteousness? It should be because we love Christ. Let that be your defining priority. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do give you praise and honor for your word. I thank you, Lord, that I can look in this passage and immediately be convicted of my own sin. God, I thank you for the work that you've done in my heart this week, and I pray that even over the last uh, half hour or so, that as we looked at this text and moving on throughout our day, that you would continually be convicting us of what are our priorities? What do we really base uh, our, our uh, identity in? Lord, what do we talk big about? Is it about riches? Is it about uh, our friends? Is it, Lord, even family can sometimes become an idol. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to see what is there. Lord, like David, that we would ask you to, to search our hearts and see if there be any wicked way in me. And Lord, that we would see that, that we would react to that, and that we would focus on Christ. Just run to him and love him for what he has done for us, for who he is, the sovereign I am, the creator of the universe, the one who redeemed me. God, I thank you for what I have in Christ, for that exaltation. Lord, even though maybe some points in my life I feel like I am low, and I look around and there's nothing to boast in, uh, Lord, let me always boast in you. Lord, I pray that for my friends here this morning as well. I pray that you would uh, even be moving in our hearts, even as we uh, sing a, a song about your love. Lord, I pray that we would take that time and use it, uh, that we would... Uh, be examining ourselves, as Paul says, uh, as we come to that time of communion. Uh, Lord, that we remember uh, what Christ did for us. Lord, and as we remember that, we're always drawn to what we do. We sin constantly. But God, I pray that you would be moving in our hearts, that we would repent, that we would have a metanoia, a change of mind about our sin, that we would focus in on Christ today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.